0: the boards in front of the 200 dr grayson sedestin are challenging and better loosen up on the extreme outside have better... come away they're fighting it out better loosen up on the extreme outside is roaring clear and up wins the and so second... This
1: podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, and Pride's Easy Feed.
0: A message for trainers of thoroughbred, standardbred, and performance horses. Pride's Easy Feed would like you to know a little more about a new product called. Energy Pack, a top-up feed designed to replace cracked or flaked corn in a horse's diet. Energy Pack comes in small cubes of extruded corn and full-fat soybean and is six times more digestible than raw corn. Energy Pack isn't a complete feed. You simply use it to top up your horse's normal ration. Energy Pack will help you to stay ahead in the war against acidosis. Energy Pack comes in 20 kilo bags and is a palatable Concentrated source of energy. Speaking of acidosis, Pride's also recommends Easy Light, a great tasting electrolyte. Its glucose and fruit flavouring is just the ticket for those fussy eaters. For best results, feed Easy Light as part of your horse's balanced ration. Replace those lost salts and keep your horses on their water through the long hot summer. Pride's Easy Light and Pride's Energy Pack, a winning double from Pride's Easy Feed. Masters in the field of Equine Nutrition. As a Gulban boy through and through, it's no surprise that Sean Geimer has chosen to pursue his riding career principally in the south and southern districts racing associations. In the last few months, he's ridden winners at Wagga, Nowra, Gulban, Canberra, Gundagai, Queenbean, and Kembla Grange for a wide range of trainers. He lives on the fringe of the Western Sydney region, which gives him easy access to the freeways when he's travelling to those southern meetings. Sean's equine education began before and after school in Goulburn with trainer Danny Williams, who would become his valued tutor and his first master. He would later spend time in the care of Mark Smetzer, Kevin Moses... Joe Pride, Steve Farley and finally with Peter Moody in Melbourne. He rode his first winner at Queenbeyan in 2009 for trainer Rex Cole. He's currently giving 600 career wins a big nudge. Sean is now 31, he's married to Emma and the pair are the proud parents of three and a half year old son Fletcher. Emma is a long-time member of the Champion Thoroughbreds team. She manages the syndication company St Leonard's office and has become a friendly face and a reliable connection for many clients. Perhaps Sean's reputation with racehorse owners is best explained by Maruya trainer Natalie Jarvis, who's one of his staunchest supporters. Natalie says he's unwaveringly reliable has a great rapport with her owners and provides valuable input into the progress of the horses. That's not a bad rap, Mr. Geimer.
1: No, it's not. And, and definitely listening to all that, it, it, it makes me feel quite old too because that's bringing back a lot of memories.
0: 31. He's nowhere mm. near old, Sean, I can assure you. No,
1: no, of course not.
0: Well, you live on the fringe, as I said. You get onto those freeways pretty quickly. But by golly, there's some mileage involved. Do you ever travel with other riders or mostly solo?
1: Um, from time to time, I, I, we, you know, uh, us jockeys will uh, carpool, but generally speaking, it's normally a solo effort. Um, and, look, there's more and more riders that are now moving out west um, as time goes on, so there's probably more opportunities. But generally speaking, um, I, I am normally driving, you know, to the races by myself.
0: What do you do, uh, put on a cassette or listen to the radio, make a phone yeah. call or two?
1: Yeah, definitely. I try and, you know, probably annoy as many people as I can and they probably, you know, get sick of it. But um, these days it's mostly podcasts and just your favourite music.
0: Mm. Well, you sorted out the realities of Sydney racing as soon as your apprenticeship finished. There are three realistic chances in most races and you've got 19 jockeys trying to get on them. It's not rocket science, is it?
1: No, it's, it's pretty easy to work out the mathematics there and it's it's not really going to be in my favour. So it was a pretty easy decision, um, which I, I'm, I'm very grateful for it to, to be you know in the position that I am now and riding for the trainers that I am um, and, and living where I am. I think it's a very good spot and I think it's a perfect place to be bringing up a young family.
0: Once it was clear that you'd become a regular at most Southern TAB meetings, I imagine a clientele quickly developed.
1: I think it did, I think, because growing up down there, um, you know, I obviously had my first first few rides and first few barrier trials around that Southern Districts area. It was pretty easy that um, I, I can still remember, you know, handing out um, notes and pamphlets to trainers and putting them on their cars, and that was something that Denny got me to do just to try and get my name out there when I was, you know, even doing barrier trials. So I think – you know, for, I've been riding for, you know, 15 plus years. I think that, you know, the rapport that you get with the trainers down there, they've known me since I was first leading horses into the, into the enclosure. And mm. that, you know, generally brings a lot of, um, a lot of relationships with it and, and it's been something that I've been able to rely on, you know, t- still to this day.
0: Mm. There are occasions when opportunities come up at two meetings on the same day and this is when your manager, Hayden Kelly, has got to juggle the options.
1: He does and I feel like he's very good at it. Um, we work very closely, I think probably exactly like what most jockeys and managers do. But uh, him and I, we're, we're pretty laid back and we just we, we look at the calendar two weeks out and we make a bit of a call. and we're not just making the call for that particular meeting, but we're thinking about what's going to happen and, and how that's going to affect in the future. And if you're trying to decide on whether or not to go to a meeting south or a meeting mm-hmm. north, um, maybe it might be a Maruya or a Campbell meeting, or it could be a Newcastle and a Taree meeting. You're thinking about what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks after that, because quite often I'll find myself in the south, not in the north. And if it's going to be beneficial for myself to be, you know, going to that Maruya or that Campbell Grange meeting, then then so be it. Because nine times out of ten, that's where I'll be.
0: Yep, you have a dilemma when a decent ride comes up in the city from time to time, mainly because you don't like letting your regular clients in the country down?
1: No, I don't think so. I think because they put so much trust in you um, and, you know, there's so many great riders along the south to be putting on, when that do comes the decision to be made about, you know, where you go and... And 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 uh, you know city or, or or the country or provincials. Are, I think you need to repay those trainers and owners good because on. it's yeah. the the nine times out of ten, you know, you want to be putting in good rides. But quite often, my clientele. I'll be straight up with them if, if I feel like I've put in a bad ride and, you know, they turn around and say, you know, thank you for, for acknowledging that and, and then you get on at the next start and so, mm-hmm. you know, when those, when those times come up, of course you want to repay, you know, your, your faithful trainers and owners. So, mm-hmm. no, it, it is a hard decision but generally I, I do st- I, I stick to my heart and, and I'll, ride for those, I'll ride for those trainers in the south.
0: Now, Sean, your great mate Jimmy Cassidy got that down to a fine <laughs> art years ago. He'd come back into the enclosure, he'd kick his feet out of the irons, he'd look down at the trainer and the owners, and he'd say, "Not one of my better ones." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what no, are you going to say?
1: <laughs> exactly, you know, you, you can't you can't go out there and put in a, a, a poor effort and then come back and try and. Cover you know, it up. Mm. the yeah, 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 lie to the owners and trainers because they've seen exactly what's just happened as well too. And generally, the mistakes is something that even blind Freddie can see what's happened. And so I think it's the better thing is is just, just to own up, man up, mm. say that you've you've said you know you've stuffed up, and then yeah. try and rectify it in the next race. And and then if you're lucky enough, when you ride the horse the next time out at the races,
0: yeah.
1: you, you know, give it a twelve out of ten. And, yeah. and, and
0: make up for it and say thank you. So. Yeah, good on you, mate. Look, total honesty can cause frustration in its own way on occasions, but you know what? In the long run, it's the way to go.
1: Oh, most definitely. And I think that's probably something that for you to speak to a lot of the uh, owners and trainers that I ride for, that's sometimes my honesty can, you know, steer me in a bit of a bad way. But mm. I think at the end of the day, it's probably been a very good blessing and something that I earned very early on from, you know, growing up in the country.
0: Yep. Let's look at your travelling situation. Goulburn would be a breeze. Canberra, yes. pretty comfortable. is a decent trek. The Sapphire Coast is an absolute marathon.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It's a nightmare, that Sapphire meeting. But, look, once you get down there and you throw your leg on over the horse and and whatnot, um, everything's all right. But definitely getting down there and getting home, you know, sometimes you just wish you had a million bucks in, in the bank to, you know, get yourself a helicopter. But yeah. um, it's, it's one of the furthest meetings away, but mm. – If anyone, you know, out there is listening, they know that it's actually one of the most beautiful tracks there to to, to probably bet on, watch the races on, and and also for us jocks to ride on. So it's 50-50.
0: I imagine jockeys like Jeff Penzer and Grant Buckley would like a dollar for every mile they've travelled at country meetings over 25 years. They're both Uh, marvels, aren't they?
1: Oh, exactly. I, I honestly, if if I can get to their age and be doing what they're doing, I think it's a, a very very, you know, big gold tick because um, it's it's not easy. The, the the job demands you to turn up each day and give everything a twelve out of ten, and then throw in the kilometers, getting home late nights. Um, both the blokes have got families. It, it would not be easy at all, and I think. Um, I think probably the industry needs to probably raise their hat to people like that that are out there doing that because it's, it's definitely not easy.
0: Most jockeys and trainers can identify some sort of family background with racehorses, but there's not a trace in your clan. You tell me your dad Marty has been a glazier for some years now and, in fact, he still runs a business in Goulburn with your uncle.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, there's there's no horses at all in my background. It was all um, outdoor sports, uh, a, a, a bit of water, a bit a bit of water skiing and and, and whatnot. But definitely no horses at all. We grew up um, in the backyard, out on the streets, playing around. And it wasn't until I sort of joined uh, high school in in the later years that uh, the stables came about with with Danny Williams.
0: Mm. Well, your mum is Kerry, your younger brother is Josh. No doubt they'd be keeping an eye on your rides all the time.
1: Yeah, God love my mum. She sends me a message um, each day when I'm off to the races wishing me good luck and – and uh, wishing me that I get around safe. And, and, and my brother, he, he yeah, he loves it. He, he loves a good punt. Um, he's mm. actually not bad on it, actually, to be honest. And yeah. um, he's got a young family himself. So, no, everyone's got an eye on me no matter where I go.
0: What actually ignited the spark? What made you seek work experience with Danny Williams before and after school?
1: It wasn't the... Uh it wasn't until a holiday down on the south coast uh water scheme. we used to go away um most weekends during the summer um definitely during holidays and whatnot down at a place called Nelligan just before Batemans Bay mm. we'd go as a family and we had some other families that would join us from Goulburn and we'd be down there and we bumped into a fellow uh, jockey called Tim Phillips mm. uh, one one christmas time um, and and we'd got down there a bit early and we were chatting away and and him and dad got talking and just, you know, expressed the fact that I didn't want to go back to school and I wasn't very good at it. I was always sort of either in trouble or um, trying to not attend school. And
0: There's that they, honesty again.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, exactly right. And, mm-hmm. yeah, they got talking and, and, and Tim said, well, it sounds like exactly like myself as a young fella and it wasn't until I got into racing that I really started to smarten up and uh he said you know leave it with me and to his credit a couple of weeks later he, he rang my dad and he said look i've got i've got Sean a job with mm. with denny weems and and from that moment on it was it was basically guns blazing and to be honest at the stage i just seen it as an excuse not to go to school um <laughs> I thought, well i thought that but it wasn't until i got to denny's that he said no no stables before school and then back out to the stables of an afternoon after school um and i thought well you know there goes that pipe dream i thought i was you know going to be gone Mm. but it um it definitely earned you know the hard work and and put the you know the hard work ethic into me quite early and i think from from that day onwards learning um the the, you know the horses game out there at denny's I've, I've, i've always had this hard work ethic Hard work ethic about me.
0: Yes, well, Timmy Phillips did you a turn because Danny Williams was a top amateur jockey, as we know. He turned pro later in life, did well in the professional ranks. You picked the right tutor.
1: Yeah, I definitely did, and that was a you know a very big eye opener because I'd never been around horses before, and everything that I you know am learning now and and what I have learnt now um, just goes to show how much Danny had on to offer at that Mm. stage. And, you know, he he was very successful, you know, in his own right and he still is to this day. So I probably couldn't have started out with anyone
0: better. You spent the early part of your apprenticeship with Dan before being transferred to Mark Smetzer at Canberra. Mark was a jockey and proved to be a good teacher and so did his brother Troy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, That whole experience for a couple of years was was something that I'll never forget. It was, you know, moving out of home for the first time, even learning to bloody, you know, boil up an egg for the first time was was an experience. And (laughs) we lived in Canberra. For a couple of years there on course, mm. um, and we had we had great association, and, and still to this day we remain close friends. I mm. was part of Mark's bridal party, and and hopefully um, I'll be there to celebrate when when Troy gets married as well too. So mm. it, was, it was a very good experience.
0: Well, it was another Canberra trainer, Keith Dryden, who supplied your first ride in a race, 18th of September, '09. You ran 7th of 14 on a horse with a cute name. You can call me Al at home at Thoroughbred Park. Excited?
1: Yeah, I was very excited. I think I I would have been on course nearly two hours before and it's only, (laughs) you know, you need to be there an hour and I just could not wait. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, God bless Keith. He's very big... um, a very big supporter and he's, he, he's someone that probably doesn't get the recognition that he deserves because not only, you know, about his training, but he's, he's had some great apprentices over the time. And one thing about Keith is he always supports his apprentices. Mm. He gives them every opportunity that they can get. Um, and I still remember, you know, rocking up keep stables and just I might ride one or two of a morning but I go down there and just chew his ear off and I, I don't know how he put <laughs> up with me I do not get it but yeah. that just goes to show you the kind of heart that man's got and mm. um still great friends of him to this day and we always see each other at the races him especially you know coming down this coming down the south coast I know he's got a place down there and mm. we have a good old chat and catch up and yeah, I'm uh, very, very thankful to Keith.
0: Mm. Jay Ford spent part of his apprenticeship with Keith Dryden, didn't he?
1: Yes, he certainly did. He mm. certainly did. He, he uh, J. Ford's another man to come out of the. He didn't. He wasn't born down there, but he, but he came out of the southern districts, and um, yeah, he's gone on to do you know what he's done, and he's had a very successful career thus far.
0: Well, you didn't have long to wait for that magical first winner. About a month <laughs> later, up you, Bob, at Queenbian on a $14 pop called Penalty Shootout for a trainer called Rex Cole and you thought you were Lester Piggott. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: no. I think everyone, bloody, when they ride their first winner, they, they've probably got thoughts like that. But no, no. I remember that day. I, I, uh, I had a few rides, and I'd, I'd placed on a couple beforehand. Mm. And Timmy Phillips was still riding at this stage, and only about the race beforehand, he just pipped me uh, mm. for t- to win the race. And I remember all the boys giving him some cheek in the room, saying you couldn't let the kid win. You know, was your first <laughs> winner, and then. Bugging me dead, I come out and I win on you know Rex Cole's horse, and it was it yeah. was honestly the best day on the track growing mm. up as a kid. Um, you know, riding your first winner, and yeah, it's it's something pretty special that you never forget.
0: No, first city winner took a while to arrive. That was in July 2011 on a forty-one dollar pop called Yonder Star for Jared Austin on the Kenzo track.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of a story about that. I remember we um, travelled up in the truck from Canberra. I was still with Mark Smesser at that stage and uh, Paddy Murphy, uh, which is now training, um, Mm. he was riding at that stage and he'd had a bit of association with Jared Austin. He'd been riding work and been riding races and he suggested to Jared that he should claim off um, this mare Mm. and he, he, he suggested myself and, uh, it was Jared's first winner as well, too, in the was Metropolitan. It? Yeah, yeah. and it was mm. it was a pretty special moment. And we, we, we went up there in the truck that morning, um, and we actually got stopped, if anyone knows, the, the highway there at Marool and the Wayne Station. Mm. We had too many people in the truck on the way to the races, yeah. and they, they said, when you come back, you're going to have to be one short. And so, obviously, me being the apprentice, I was the one voted off the bus. And, um, <laughs> it, you know, it couldn't believe it. The day could not have gone any better. I was managed to ride my first winner. Uh, and then I was I was able to fly fly from Sydney back to Canberra. So I thought that I was something pretty special, you know, riding the winner and then getting flown back home and mm. getting picked up by Mark that night. We, we celebrated and yeah. – we we had some dinner and um, it, w- it was a great day to, to be able to ride my first winner um, at the prestigious Roundwick Race Racecourse on the Kensington and also share that first time with Jared Austin. Yeah, that was that, that was pretty special and still to this day I've got a good relationship with Jared. I've I've still ridden many winners for him um, and 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 hope to continue.
0: You won a Canberra Apprentices Premiership while you were with uh, Mark Smetsa. That's nice to have on your CV.
1: It definitely is because I know how much hard work went into to doing that, uh, and those cold mornings. It's just much the same as gold. And I look back on it now and think, how the bloody hell did I, you know, get up before school, go out there in the freezing cold, <laughs> and and be not even earning any, you know, nice money at the moment. You know, I was earning mm-hmm. peanuts at that stage, and um, the cold the cold mornings at Canberra was was just absolutely ridiculous to think about mm-hmm. it now and that just shows you how much drive that, mm. you know, a young person can have. And uh, I was very well supported by all those Canberra trainers. Mm. Um, Mark Smetzer, Keith Dryden, Gratzi yeah. Vella, mm. uh, the Norm Gardner's and and thus far, you know, they all they all helped me out to get to that point to win that premiership. So mm-hmm.
0: it's Keith Dryden's a nice little tick. Yep. Keith Dryden, Sean, tells the best story about the cold at Canberra. On those winter mornings, he said, you knew it was cold when Kevin Sweeney would come back after riding a track gallop with ice on both eyebrows. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah
1: it's not nice it's not <laughs> nice for anyone that experienced it they know exactly mm. what we're talking about and you know you just mentioned another bloody mentor there kevin sweeney he mm. was right there in the thick of it when i was starting and um he he's a he's a, he's a great man he, mm. he was a great jockey um and as i believe it now he's living it up down there at canberra uh, working yeah. Working on the race course. So, yeah, you know, it was a pleasure.
0: I should do a podcast with Kevin Sweeney. He was an absolute marvel, wasn't he?
1: Oh, he'd have some stories for you. Mm. He'd have some stories for you. And just by the way, if you're talking to him, mm. you tell him that St. George is no good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. I'll put that on him. It was Mark Schmetzer who arranged a three months loan out uh, for you with Kevin Moses who was making a name for himself as a trainer at Randwick. What an opportunity to have daily consultation with a form of very high-profile jockey. I think he was still riding work at that stage, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he was. And and that was even something that um, I was very blessed with early on in my career. You know, thus far, the, the three mentors that I've had have all been jockeys and have all still riding work with me at that stage. So, mm. you know, for anyone listening out there that has experienced this, you could be sitting there with, you know, an, a complete professional across from you as you're doing a gallop and can talk to you mm. at the same time. That's just something that I think a lot of kids don't um, – Get the benefit of these these days because the experience that I was learning on hand with these riders and galloping around the course proper around with Kevin was just something that you know you, you can't buy and it's very rare. Mm. And and even his wife Jenny, she was very lovely. She took me mm. in um, and just treated me like another son. And it was it was a very special time there at Randwick. I look back on it now, and yeah. at the stage I probably didn't really appreciate uh, for what it was. Mm. And it's not until now that you realise just how good that you had it. And yeah, yeah, my first first time coming to Sydney uh, and living there, and you know at Randwick, that was a big eye opener for a, especially a young a young country boy.
0: Mm. Well, you had a brief stint with Joe Pride at Warwick Farm, then you grabbed the opportunity to work with Stephen Farley at Wyong. This was probably after he'd won a couple of group ones with his good horse, Sincero.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I was just getting there after Sincero when uh, Chris O'Brien, which is now retired, but he was a great jockey. He, he mm-hmm. was still hanging around um, Wyong and, and, and doing his best. And to even uh, jump up to Wyong there, live on the coast, live a little bit more of a laid-back lifestyle was was something that I was more after because I, I didn't really handle living in the city um, and how fast-paced it was. And getting the chance to move up there with Stephen um and just you know to t- take a bit of time out was was mm. something that i was really enjoying and uh riding work with with the likes of chris o'brien tracy bartley mm. uh i was just forever gaining experience and, and gaining different people's uh takes on mm. the way that the racing game worked
0: mm. towards the back end of your apprenticeship chris waller decided to utilize your city claim on a few horses. Now, one of them was the horse you say is the best you've ridden in a race, a bonnie mare called Catkins, who won 16 races. She ran 13 placings and she won more than 2 million. She won 12 stakes races. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't win a group one. You had one ride on Catkins in a benchmark at Rose Hill in those famous Ingham colours.
1: Yeah, what a very lucky, you know, young lad I was at that time to be getting on those kinds of horses. Um, very thankful to Mr. Waller for giving me the support at that stage and just being able to get on. Those good horses that had gears And proper Mm. gears Uh, That was something that I hadn't really experienced Before and just speaking about Catkins what a mare she was Um, Mm. I got on her you know quite early on In the days and was very you know lucky Enough to win on her and I remember saying to, uh, Liam Pryor at that stage, who was the racing manager, the second person in charge there, mm. um, God, when she goes away, has a spell and comes back, she's going to be something nice. And, mm. you know, she, she went away and came back. And like you said, she, she just, you know, escaped being able to win the, win a group one, but she's ran some gallant races. And I, th- yeah, I do believe she was, she was definitely one of, um, or if not the best one of the horses I've ever ridden before in a race.
0: Sean gets you to stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back, talk about another nice horse you rode for Chris Waller. The advent of the English Millennium five years ago gave Sydney another important stepping stone to the Golden Slipper. Inglis and the ACT got together to formulate a $2 million race for horses sold as yearlings at Inglis auctions. The first Millennium was run at Warwick Farm over 1,200 metres and produced the most impressive winner to date. Castelvecchio came from last, blew the opposition away to win for Richard Litt and Josh Parr. In 2020 again at Warwick Farm it was Prime Star the winner for Tom Marquand Richard and Michael Friedman on a heavy nine track The Millennium was switched to Randwick in 2021 when the Flying Profiteer led all the way to win easily with Hugh Bowman in the saddle In 2022 Extravagant Star with Chad Schofield became the first filly to win the race for the Price Kent team It was another filly last year when the Nesham trained Learning to Fly did a Castle vector by storming home from near last. It was Millennium number 2 for Chad Schofield. The sixth edition of the English Millennium will be run at Randwick on February the 10th, supported by the Group 3 Eskimo Prince and the listed Lonro Plate. Another mare you rode for the Wallace Stable was She's Clean, also in the Ingham colours. You had two rides, a win and a fourth.
1: Yeah, I did, and... Um... I was very lucky to be to be riding for those kinds of owners, uh, and still, you know, hopefully to ride for those owners, you know, today. But uh, she's clean. I think it was a Warwick Farm win. Uh, very, very tough mare again. I don't know what it is. I've been able to get along with mares
0: mm.
1: and fillies, but um, yeah, just again the support that I was given to by uh, Mr. Waller was something that, as, as a young person, you probably again you don't really appreciate you know, what's what, what's given to you in front and, and the pressure mm. that goes along with it. But, uh, yeah, she, she, she was another good win.
0: You were stunned to be given the opportunity to spend the latter part of your apprenticeship with Peter Moody in Melbourne, not long after the iconic Black Caviar had been retired. I bet you could still feel her presence in the stable.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like, the whole place was still on a massive high too when I arrived. I, mm. I had spent some time with um, Moody Stable at Randwick, um, under the guidance of Claire Cunningham mm. and uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to go down to Melbourne and, and spend the last couple of months there and just, to, you know, gather more experience. And walking into those Caulfield Stables was – you know you could just feel the buzz in the air and obviously they were riding off such a high off the back of that mirror and um, the, the, the the people down there that I met, uh, the, the jockeys that I rode against, the trainers that I rode for it was just another experience that I could add to my you know short you know career at that stage that I don't think many kids other uh, other than myself probably got at that time um, and you know it was it was something that I'll never forget.
0: You tell me Peter Moody took a real interest, he was helpful in furthering your education and very supportive in putting you on a few nice horses.
1: Oh, most definitely. Um, I think sometimes his his interest and his and 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 um, how much he wants to help you sort of sometimes come across that he was he was quite cross, mm-hmm. but all, all, all he wanted to do was see you do good, and he wanted he wanted you to do your best. Mm-hmm. And you know, riding with the likes of Sean Nolan. Uh, Luke Nolan, mm. uh, Linda Meech. We, we, we. there was – every morning you went to work, there was half a dozen jocks down there that were just, you know, willing to give their uh, ideas and, and give mm. their thoughts on, on how to get better. And I think it's something that probably not many um, young apprentices out there get an opportunity to do, um, learn off so many different people, and I, I think it's such a big asset.
0: You were absolutely chuffed. When Peter Moody put you on a mare called River Delta in an open 1400 metre race one day at Caulfield, I'm told, you might have told me, you rode the perfect race to, yeah. to win in the contract racing colours.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I might have said that or or not, but <laughs> I, I I definitely I definitely do remember the day because mm-hmm. there was a there was a bit of pressure around her, and everyone knew that um, you know the horse was a good horse, and it was it was dead set nearly immoral that day, and mm-hmm. uh, the the pressure was on, and again, you know, I've come from come from Goulburn, not been involved in any kind of racing, and. However many years down the track, you find yourself now sitting on a favourite in the Barriers at Caulfield. Uh, mm. It's it's a long journey, but uh, it's something that I was pinching myself over at the time, just being so excited. And mm. to be down there, to be riding her, and then to win on her, um, you just, it, it was the best thing ever.
0: You actually came out of your time while you were with Peter Moody.
1: Yes, I did. Hmm. Yes, I did. It was um, it was a bit hard, you know. You had to come home and, oh, well, I eventually came home and, and had to weigh up my options and, and see what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And 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 like you said before, I was quite quick to make the decision that I could see the writing on the wall and, and what mm-hmm. direction it was going to go to. And, and um, I, I knew where I wanted to base myself and I just had to start building from there.
0: Mm-hmm. You hit a hurdle when you came back to New South Wales as a fully-fledged jockey. Rides were scarce, and for the first time you started to doubt your own ability. Depression reared its ugly head, and with it came an escape to the bottle. You were only 22 and in a bad headspace. But to your eternal credit, Sean, you did something about it.
1: Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a very hard time. Uh, I think it's something that I probably always in the back of my mind was always dealing with it. And then it wasn't until that the real hard pressures came on that it rose its ugly head. And you, you, you're right, I I had to deal with it. And I was very lucky that I had a good a good support network around me, being mm. my family, a couple of close friends, and. Now my wife, um, it it was not easy at all and it it takes a lot to admit that you need help um, but then once you do, that's that's the first step and then after that you start building those blocks and Mm. eventually, eventually there is light at the tunnel but you just don't see it at the time and you just need to reach out and ask for help.
0: Emma is the daughter of Tim Walsh, a top-grade horseman in his own right, who trained at Hawkesbury with good results.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, it's actually, as we're recording right now, it, it's his birthday today, so happy birthday, Tim. Mm. Um, but, no, we, we we had a great a great association there. We, we They had a couple of horses um, in the meantime while Tim still held his licence and we were able to win a couple of races there and mm. it was a good little family affair and I, I know everyone got a good kick out of it.
0: Yeah, Road to Shangri-La was one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Old oh. roadie.
0: And now yeah. Sarastro.
1: Yeah, Al was. I think we won on him down um, at Bathurst, I think it was, and he Mm. he won quite well, but no, whatever we did with those two horses and wherever we took them, we always had a bit of success, so Mm. credit to um, Tim and his wife, Janine.
0: Yep, good trainer, good jockey. A major development in your life was about to unfold. Tony McAvoy. Decided on the establishment of a Sydney base at Hawkesbury and he was needing good work writers. How did you become involved with that camp?
1: Uh, I I was floating around the Hawkesbury uh, racetrack of a morning, uh, quite quite regularly of, of a week and you know, there was there was words that Tony was going to be coming and he was setting up stables and I was I was doing a bit of work for uh, Malcolm Johnson at the time and mm. I asked Malcolm if um, he could put a good word in for me and, and have a chat to Tony and the the, the race rides weren't um, all all there it was sort of only riding maybe one day a week or two days a week and I, I was you know needing to make some money and I was very lucky enough to be able to start writing for Tony of a morning on a wage, and Mm. then uh, it just slowly built from there.
0: Yeah. You got to know him very well, Tony McAvoy, and you speak very highly of the man.
1: I do, and his wife as well too. Um, yeah, no, Tony looked after me a lot. He, um, he really took me underneath his wing and he's a very busy man and I, I give him credit to still give me the time of day because he, he still had a stables back at Angerston, mm. South Australia, and, and uh, obviously he was in the midst of trying to set up this satellite stable at Hawkesbury. So for him to give me uh, the time of day and I could pick the phone up and give him a call whenever I wanted about anything at all, mm. um, I was very, very thankful for that.
0: Well, when he decided to close that Hawkesbury base, he very kindly offered you an opportunity to join the team at Anguston in South Australia. You had nothing to lose. Did Emma go with you?
1: Uh, no, she didn't. She, she had her own commitments here with work, mm-hmm. but Emma would come over, uh, fly her over, um, and, and she would visit me frequently. But no, uh, she, she, she had her own commitments here in Sydney.
0: Mm-hmm. You wrote a few winners in South Australia, all part of a great learning curve.
1: Oh, most definitely. Again, it just adds to the experience of learning um, from, from different people, and you know the experiences that I got while over there, being on the prestigious old Hayes Stables, um, was something else. That, that that property that Tony's got at Angaston is just, you know, second to none. Mm. Um, it's it's unbelievable, and the history there is is incredible, and uh, you know it's 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 a beautiful place to go and ride.
0: It was around 2017 when you linked up with Richard Friedman, who'd set up shop as a trainer in his own right at Rose Hill, and the deal was simple: you turn up for track work, and the race rides would follow. That's how it happened.
1: Yeah, good old Richard. He's a funny bugger, Richard. He's um <laughs> he's another he's another fella that I, I credit for to help me out. Um and 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 like you said, he. He was was very straightforward, and I think a lot of people sometimes get his straightforwardness, you know, wrong for for meaning good because he he, Mm. he just tells it how it is, and and I'm exactly the same. And so we were able to, you know, work together, and we got along really well and still do to this day, and – that, that's exactly right. You just come in, do your job, and I'll support you, and we'll go from there. And mm. that's what happened. And we, yeah, we in, in that time frame of us being together, we had a stack load of winners. I remember, um, I remember we had, we had a really good run there together, and and uh, we I rode a couple of really nice horses for him as well too.
0: Yeah, Latin Boy was one of them. You won five races on him, four straight at one stage. There was yeah, a city exactly. win in there too, wasn't there? One in town. Yes
1: yeah there was and and look, you know not been, not many people would know this, but you know rich is very good at at f- sort of finding the problem and then being able to rectify the problem and he's done that with a couple of horses that I was involved with um, along the way while being there with him and you know, Latin boy, he come from the Godolphin camp and he he had his issues Um and uh we were able to sort of work with him and 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 get to the bottom of him and being able to string five straight wins together. Mm. Uh, it's not very easily done yeah. and we we worked hard on that and it, you know the rewards were the rewards were endless
0: yeah, you were involved in a freakish incident one day in a benchmark race at Nara two thousand and nineteen, and this went viral on social media at the time. You were riding a horse called Ahmad, who was fighting out a tight finish with Hypernicus. Now, you were on the outside, so we got a good look at you. Right on the line, Ahmad stumbled badly and looked certain to fall. Not only did he get back up again, you still won the race.
1: No, I've still got PTSD when I arrive on the narrow race course, you know, still to this day about it. Mm. He, um, his, his back foot clipped, uh, onto the shoe of his front foot. And as he was, you know, striding through it, collected. And mm. well, yeah, we all went butt down. I, you know, I remember, still remember looking at the grass and, and just mm. thinking, oh, this is going to hurt. And, you know, to the horse's athleticism, he was able to keep himself up and, um, I'll I'll let you know a little secret, John. Those undies are still soaking.
0: <laughs> Bradley photographers captured the moment, and I'm going to post that photo on the website right next to the podcast heading. We'll have another look at it.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely a spectacular photo. I remember it, uh, that the phone was ringing for 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 a day there yeah. know, after. Um, but uh, yeah, who would have thought that you could see that happen and, and still hold on to win the race?
0: Amazing. You rode Lines Raw for John O'Shea in a two year old race at Wagga in April of 2020, and you beat a horse called Another One. Who would have known that Lines Raw would go on to win the Group One Randwick Guinness and another one would go on to win the Kosciuszko? It was a decent two year old race at Wagga.
1: Oh, it definitely was. That was over the Carnival Series, and Mm. I still remember this day that that track, it was as wet as you can get it and still be able to race on it, and um, it was a bit of a controversy there. You know, uh, we we, we held on the race, but there was a protest thrown in by Nick Haywood. Mm. He, uh, He was running another one at that stage. And he um, he thought that it was grounds there for a protest, and it was a bit of to and fro in the room, and, and eventually we were able to hold on to hold on to the race. I never thought there was any doubt in losing the race, but yeah. we had to we had to get past the the, the stewards' protest first, and um, yeah, that horse Lions Roar has gone on to bigger and bigger things then, and, and so was another one. So mm. uh, yeah, a very hot little race there at Walker.
0: You're getting great support, as you said, from a wide range of trainers in the south, none more than Natalie Jarvis at Maruya.
1: Yeah. I, there's the, the relationship there has been not only while Natalie's been training but her her, her uh, husband, Luke Jarvis, he, he managed me there for a couple of years as well too and that's probably where it started, the relationship, and um, we've always – Always had a good time together and, and managed to ride, you know, many winners together as well. And, um, it's just nice to be able to be with a, a part of a team. And I can say what I think and, and, and Nat can say what she thinks. And we can try and meet somewhere in, in the middle to try and get the best out of the horses on race day. And I think that's probably part of, you know, um, well, it definitely is a part of, Every successful jockey and trainer combination, that's where it is. It's it's the mutual respect for each other and, and being able to work towards that end goal, and mm. the end goal is getting winners.
0: You rarely head north of Sydney, and for that reason, some punters may have stuck solid when you turned up at Newcastle for one ride on the 11th of January. You won a maiden, a 900-metre maiden, on a speedy three-year-old by the name of South of India. No wonder you went to Newcastle.
1: Yeah, I've had a fair bit to do with this little fella from, from the very first barrier trial. I, I remember it was at uh, Canterbury, and he, he's a very spicy little fella. Um, hmm. He's uh, He's got a fair bit of ability and... and when I was asked about going to Newcastle, I, I, I asked what horse, and I, I didn't uh, question it. After that, mm. he's a, he's he's only had one he's only had one start, uh, two starts now. Yeah. Um, but he, but he's still got a lot to learn. He's he's a very exciting little fella. He looks um, an
0: awkward ride, Sean.
1: Yeah, he's, he's not easy, he's, um, he's pretty cheeky and he's got his quirks so mm. uh, that might be why we get along together I reckon but um, <laughs> he, he's, he's doing a good job at the moment under his guidance of Ross mm. Um, and we're, we're forming a nice little partnership.
0: Emma of course has a sound knowledge of racing and all the ups and downs that come with it. She'd be watching your races whenever possible.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's very busy with her own job and I know she's got either the phone or the laptop on in the background and keeps it, you know, good little tab on me uh when I'm writing and she's she's definitely not shy of giving her opinion as well too when, you mm. know, I I I need that little bit of a tune up which you need. You need you need that person to yeah. to 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 give you a kick up the backside when you need it and oh dear. um She's a she's a very good partner and uh, a, a, a massive massive supporter of mine.
0: So there are occasions over dinner when she says, "By the way, what were you doing on that thing in the fourth at Gulben?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've heard yeah, those exactly. Words. Yes, yes, and and from time to time when I put those champion silks on, yeah. uh, it, it sometimes is that the pressure's on because I know that um, not only about the trainer that I'm riding for, but when I come home, you know, there's 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 either going to be a yes or a no. So mm. um, it's uh, it's pretty special.
0: And what of young Fletcher Geimer, three and a half years of age and, I dare say, a veritable dynamo. You and he, I presume, are the best of mates.
1: Yeah, we are, and I think um, we also, you know, strike some trouble as well too, because we're so similar. We we, we find ourselves arguing. I feel like I'm just arguing with a mini me. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's definitely he's definitely got you know my looks, but he's he's got that such kind nature like Emma. So he's blessed with both of us. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we, we're we're two best of mates. When we are getting along.
0: You've carved a niche for yourself. On a very strong provincial and country circuit, and you're riding winners with consistency. As Natalie Jarvis says, you're unwaveringly reliable, and that's a pretty good recommendation in today's ferociously competitive riding ranks.
1: Yeah, I think you just got to keep it simple. You just got to try and do your job as best as you can be reliable like you said and just be truthful and I think the rest will take care of itself um you know like that old saying you know the the cream rises to the top Hmm. if you can just turn up do your job be polite be respectful and, and and give everything that you can you know 12 out of 10 then it should take care of itself.
0: Sean you've been a very entertaining guest I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Now, thank you very much for the opportunity to come onto your podcast. And um, yeah, all the very best, Mr. Tapp.
0: A message for trainers of thoroughbred, standardbred, and performance horses. Pride's Easy Feed would like you to know a little more about a new product called. Energy Pack, a top-up feed designed to replace cracked or flaked corn in a horse's diet. Energy Pack comes in small cubes of extruded corn and full-fat soybean and is six times more digestible than raw corn. Energy Pack isn't a complete feed. You simply use it to top up your horse's normal ration. Energy Pack will help you to stay ahead in the war against acidosis. Energy Pack comes in 20 kilo bags and is a palatable Concentrated source of energy. Speaking of acidosis, Prides also recommends Easy Light, a great tasting electrolyte. Its glucose and fruit flavouring is just the ticket for those fussy eaters. For best results, feed Easy Light as part of your horse's balance ration. Replace those lost salts and keep your horses on their water through the long hot summer. Prides Easy Light and Prides Energy Pack, a winning double from Prides Easy Feed. Masters in the field of equine nutrition.